0: Thank you, Tyler, for that uh, amazing joke. And thank you, church, for responding in such hilarious, crazy ways as we normally do. (laughs) Well, welcome again. It's good to see you guys here. Uh, A lot of familiar faces. Some folks, I believe, visiting out of town. Welcome. Uh, We continue in our worship service now with the reading of God's word. And as we all sit under the preaching of the word, uh, we hope that we are transformed and renewed. Um, Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 17. So let's have God's word open us up to Luke chapter 17. We'll begin on verse 20 and go all the way to verse 37. Luke chapter 17 verse 20 to 37. And when you're there I'll ask that you rise for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 17 starting from verse 20. Now this is the word of the Lord. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, and they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all so will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, and that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. They, and they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpses is, is, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And join us in singing Speak, O Lord, as our prayer. Oh, teach us, Lord. Teach
1: us, Lord, full obedience,
0: holy reverence, true humility, test our thoughts and our attitudes
1: in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. I can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Well good morning everyone, uh, happy new year once again. Uh, the vision of our church, Eternal Life Mission Church, is to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in our homes, communities, and the world. Now, this vision statement might sound lofty with language as, uh, with using language such as kingdom and will, but this vision statement is simply saying we want to see heaven come to our homes. We want to see heaven come into our communities. We want to see heaven come to the world. See, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are actually synonymous. So our vision is to see heaven coming down, invading our homes, advancing in our communities, and being spread out throughout the world. Now, to get a better sense of what the kingdom of God is, we spent the past few months studying the kingdom parables. And now that we're in the new year, we're going to transition from kingdom stories to kingdom vision. What that means is we're going to spend the beginning of 2022 really dissecting our vision statement. In other words, we're going to chew over questions such as, what does the kingdom of God look like in our homes? What does it mean when we say we want to see God's kingdom come into our homes? What does that mean? You know, for some of us, uh, the home is a place of peace and comfort for others it's a place of brokenness regret and shame for others the home is a place of love honesty and vulnerability but for others home is a place of isolation and loneliness you know for families that have just welcomed new babies Home is probably a place of restlessness and chaos, yet joy and great expectation. Whatever home is to you in this moment and in this season, we want to ask the question, so what does it mean when we say we want to see God's kingdom come into our homes? The same thing goes for our communities and the world. However you view these spheres of life, however you view your community, however you view the world, whether it's a place of travel or a place to be explored, a place to be conquered or a place to avoid because of all the brokenness, whether you see your community and the world as a place to belong and serve, we want to start asking the question, so what does it mean when we say we want to see God's will being done in our communities and the world? I understand that many of us, now that we're in the new year, we've set goals and expectations for our lives. And while we were perhaps busy just asking the question, what do I want for my family? What do I want for my community? What do I want from the world? I hope that this time, as we gather Sunday morning, would be a corrective time. And it would offer moments of contemplation as we start asking the question, so what does it mean when we say we want to see God's kingdom and his will coming into my life and being done in the different spheres of my life? You know, C.S. Lewis says there are basically two types of people. He says there are those who say to God, your will be done. There are those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way my hope and prayer that our heart's posture would be the former that as we start this new year that the question we're asking and the prayers we are offering is god what is your will what does it mean for the kingdom of god to really come into my life it's my prayer that we would deeply seek and desire god's kingdom advancing in our lives and so by way of introduction, uh, I want to look at today's passage, uh, Luke 17. It's actually a bit of a thorny passage. It's somewhat difficult. Uh, but I want to look at this passage and just ask two foundational questions about the kingdom of God. And here are the questions. First, why does the kingdom have to come? And second, how can we see the kingdom come? First question, why does the kingdom have to come? And second, how can we see the kingdom the kingdom of God come. So first question, why? You know, for many of us, including Christians, uh, this idea of the kingdom of God coming is still a very unfamiliar one, right? Instead of the kingdom coming, we often envision ourselves going to the kingdom, right? Most people today believe that the kingdom of God is a place that you go to when you leave this world, not a place or not something that comes unto us. But if you read your Bibles, you'll see that the reverse is actually true. The kingdom of God is not so much a place that we go to when we die, but the kingdom of God is something that comes unto us. Remember Jesus' first words when he comes onto the scene and he begins his public ministry? The first words out of his mouth Are repent for the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. Or the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus teaches his disciples, he teaches them to pray, What can we go to the kingdom of God? No, he teaches them, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or even today's passage, it begins with the Pharisees asking Jesus. When will your kingdom come? See, prevalent throughout the Bible is this concept that the kingdom of God is not so much a place we go to when we die, but it's something that comes unto us. See, friends, I think this is one of the reasons why Christianity today has lost not only its appeal, but also its power. Because we botched the teachings on the kingdom of God. We botched the, ki- the teachings on heaven. We reduced the kingdom of God to a vacation home, to a glorified Airbnb. It's a distant place that we think of only when life gets difficult, but it has no real impact on how I live my life here and now. You know, There's a, a scene uh, in the great American novel Huckleberry Finn that depicts uh, this false idea of the kingdom of God. Uh, in, in Huckleberry Finn, uh, you know, this, the, the main character, the protagonist, is uh, this boy uh, by the name of Huckleberry Finn. And throughout his life, he was taught by Miss Watson about heaven. And he's taught that heaven is this place in the distant, distant future, a place that comes in the afterlife And he's taught that when you go to heaven, the only thing that people do in heaven is they play harps all day long, and they sing forever and ever. And Huck, this young boy, as he's being taught about heaven, he never really found heaven to be an appealing place. He thought, you know, I really don't want to go there. But the alternative isn't that great. Now, Huck, eventually, this young boy, he runs away, and he meets Jim, a runaway slave. The two become really good friends, and they share all sorts of adventures together. But while they were having fun, Huck, he starts struggling internally. His conscience became heavy. See, he knew that according to Miss Watson and her teachings on heaven, he was doing something wrong. So he feels this guilt. He thinks that he should go back and turn Jim into the authorities. And so in desperation and out of guilt, Huck he writes this letter to Miss Watson telling her everything. After writing that letter, Huck he felt as though all of his sins were washed clean, and the author writes that for the first time Huck he felt that as though he could pray. You know, he thinks about how close he was going to hell. And he's proud that he wrote that letter. But then he looks up and he sees Jim. He looks up and he sees Jim and he remembers the moments that he's had with him. The adventures they've had together. The singing, the laughing, the playing. All the time they spent by the waterfall. And Huck begins to think, do I give up the joy that I have in the present Do I give up having fun with my best friend now, just so I can go to this future place that Miss Watson told me about? And then he writes this, the author Mark Twain writes this, it was a close place, I took up the letter and I held it in my hands, I was trembling because I had to decide forever between two things and I knew it. I studied for a minute, sort of holding my breath, and then I said to myself, all right then, I'll go to hell. And he tore up the letter. See, this idea that heaven is this distant, faraway place, that it can only be attained through delayed gratification, and that to attain heaven we have to give up joy here and now, is this false idea. It's a wrongful teaching that we have an understanding about heaven that the Bible knows nothing of. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright calls this wrongful thinking a split-level eschatology. And what he says is this, basically, about 200 years ago, we conveniently decided that we would kick God and his heaven upstairs and out of sight. Why? So that we can run the world the way that we want to down here. See, friends, the truth is the kingdom of God as most of us understand it, is basically a life insurance policy. It costs very little and it only comes into effect when you die. If you actually read the Bible and look at the teachings on the kingdom of God, this is not what you find. You know, contrast this with what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says this, I have come so that You may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus, he isn't talking about this amazing quality of life that will only taste in the distant future, in the sweet by and by. No, he's saying, I have come so that you can have abundant life in the here and now. Jesus is saying, look, I have come so that you can taste and experience heaven now. You know, when you wake up Monday morning and you don't want to get out of bed because your life feels rudderless and without purpose, Jesus promises to you, even in that moment, I will give you abundant life. You know, when you've just had a serious fight with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, your best friend, and you don't know how that relationship is going to end up, Jesus says, the abundant life that I have promised is available to you now when you're feeling pressure from your employer and you're questioning whether or not you're cut out for the job the abundant life that Jesus promises is available to you in the present or when you're going through the drudgery of existence the boring monotony of routine Jesus is saying this abundant life I've come so that you can have it Jesus is saying, I have come to you, and in so doing, I have brought the kingdom of God so that you can live and experience it in the here and now. Even though life might feel like hell, I have come so that you can have access to heaven now. See, the kingdom of God is not primarily a place that we go to. But according to the Bible, the kingdom of God is something that has come to us through the coming of its king. See, the movement that we find in the Bible is always from God to man. It's never from man to God. We can never go to God, but God must come to us. And in his coming, he brings to us his kingdom. Heaven must come to us through the mediation of a Savior. You know, Jesus speaks of this in verse 25. He says this, as as they're talking about the kingdom of God and when it's going to come, Jesus says this in verse 25, but first I must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus says, but first, before anything could be realized, before the promise of abundant life could be accessed, before you and I could experience heaven, Jesus is saying, I must first experience hell This is why the kingdom of God has to come. How presumptuous it is for sinful man to think that we can go. No, the kingdom has to come unto us. And that is what Jesus is teaching. The kingdom of God coming through the coming of its king. This is why we pray, your kingdom come. Because we cannot go and do this on our own. So that's why the kingdom has to come. That's why this idea of we going up to heaven is actually the incorrect one. It's heaven coming down to us. So then, second question, how can we see the kingdom of God come? If our vision statement is to see the kingdom of God come into our homes, our communities, and the world, how is it that we can see this? Right? Because if the kingdom of God is not really a place, but it's something that comes to us, what is it, and how can we see it come into our lives? Would you look with me in verses 20 to 21? It says this, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, this is what Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, and Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, you can't observe the kingdom of God through flashy signs, through visible evidences. Right? Jesus is saying, there's no, such, there's no sign that says the kingdom of God is here. But you can see the kingdom of God because it is among you. It's in the midst of you. You know, many years ago, uh, a friend of mine from out of state visited New York, and he called me up, and he says, hey, could you just give me a few recommendations? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, you you have to try pizza. Make sure you do that. And, you know, try hot dogs. Try hot dogs on the street. They're actually really good. So he comes, and he tries uh, the classic New York hot dog, and after a trip, he leaves, and he calls me up, and he says, hey, Stephen, New York hot dogs aren't that great, says, I tried the best New York hot dog. It was expensive and it was underwhelming. And I asked him, hey, how do you know it was the best New York hot dog? And he said, oh, there was a sign in front that said, best New York hot dog. And I thought, oh, you naive southerner, <laughs> you simpleton, you. You know, he had saw the sign, best New York hot dog, and he said, And he thought, okay, this is probably the best New York hot dog. And I said, no, no, that's not. In fact, if you see a sign like that, you want to avoid that. And he said, well, how do I know? I said, well, you know, there are certain signs. It doesn't say best New York hot dogs, but there are certain things that you can pick up when you're there. Uh, You know, when I first came to Philly, I was taught by um, native Philadelphians uh, how to uh, spot a really good uh, Vietnamese pho place. Uh, I was taught, number one, it can't be too clean, <laughs> right? Uh, Philadelphia has great pho, and uh, I was told that if, if the restaurant is extremely clean, you want to avoid it, right? second sign, okay, uh, the chopsticks are in this aluminum tin. So when you go and sit at the table, you have to pull chopsticks out of this aluminum tin. And the third sign is, if you look at the menu, and it's a mix of Vietnamese and Thai You should avoid that place. It has to just be Vietnamese. You know, it doesn't say, there's no sign in front that says, best pho in Philly. But there are small signs. There are things that you can see and pick up and observe. And that's what Jesus is saying here with the kingdom of God. He's saying, listen, the kingdom of God can't be observed by outward signs. But he says, listen, there are small things that you can see There's small things that you can pick up about the kingdom of God as it's among you, as it's in your midst. And what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about the rule of God. He's talking about the reign of God. See, when you go to a place, a community, when you enter into a home, when you go out into the world, you're not going to find a sign that says kingdom of God is here. But you'll see it. You'll see it in subtle ways. You'll see it by the people. How do they treat one another? How do the people pray? How do they view the Father? Who is king among their mists? Think about the kingdom parables that we studied the past few months. There wasn't a single parable that talked about the kingdom of God as a place. But what did the parables teach? The parables likened the kingdom of God to an experience. The kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure hidden in a field. And in joy, he sold everything he had and he bought that land. Or the kingdom of God is like a servant who was forgiven an enormous debt by a gracious king. And then he was expected to go out and forgive his peers. Or the kingdom of God is like a father who never gave up on his disrespectful and wayward son, but he goes out and he seeks him with all that he has. What is the kingdom of God? It's like a sower who goes out and he scatters seeds everywhere. See, what Jesus is saying here is this. How do we know that the kingdom of God is present and how can we see the kingdom of God advance more and more is when we take the kingdom principles, is when we take the kingdom ethics, is when we take the kingdom teachings and actually live them out. That's when we see the kingdom of God among us. See, Jesus taught about the kingdom That's the one thing he taught about over and over and over again. Once you got him started about the kingdom of God, Jesus didn't stop. He talks about it again and again and again. And he says this, when you understand the kingdom ethics of love, when you start practicing forgiveness in your community, when you understand grace, when you understand who the king is and you live your life in imitation of him, that's when the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's when you, that's when you see the kingdom of God advancing in your lives. Friends, our vision statement is to see God's kingdom come. We want to see it come into our homes, into our communities, and into our world. How do we do that? Do we go out and buy harps and start singing praises all day long like heaven? No. When we say we want to see the kingdom of God in our homes, communities, and world, it basically means you finally getting off that throne in your life and allowing Jesus to take his rightful place as king. It's when you lay down whatever habits, whatever teachings you have, whatever stubbornness you have, and you finally say, you know what? I am going to live my life not according to my will, but according to the kingdom rule and kingdom reign. And and this is quite a difficult thing. See, if seeing the kingdom advance was just about religious affiliation, if it was just, just a matter of is my family Christian or not, is the country Christian or not, is our county and community, is it Christian or not? That's easy. But what Jesus is talking about in the kingdom of God is saying this, are you taking the kingdom teachings and are actually are you living them out? When do we experience and when do we see the kingdom of God advance? Is when we forgive because we have been forgiven. When do we see the kingdom of God advance and go out into the world? Is when we, like that seed that falls on good soil, we die and we start bearing fruit. When do we see the kingdom of God advance? When we understand the heart of the Father and we start pursuing people, we start pursuing the wayward with the Father's love. When do we see the kingdom of God advance? When we finally see the worth of the kingdom that's hidden. And we're willing to sell everything and buy that, attain that with joy. That's how the kingdom of God continues to advance. And friends, this is actually a very difficult thing. Because again, if it was just about singing praises with harps in our households, that's an easy thing. We're practicing forgiveness, loving like the Father did, extending grace, and pursuing consistently that's a difficult thing. The kingdom of God comes when forgiveness is abundant, when justice flows like a mighty river. The kingdom of God comes when the place that you inhabit becomes a place where love is extravagant, where love is prodigious, where prayers are unceasing, and where Jesus sits as I want to conclude um, as Jesus does with um, just a bit of a warning. This is found in Luke seventeen twenty-six to 30. As Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he ends in this way. He says this. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in married, marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And he says, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know, I think this is probably one of the most intriguing um, sayings of Jesus that we have in in the Gospels. If you um, go back to the Genesis story and you read about the days of Noah and the days of Lot, you might get a very different picture. In fact, just Google days of Noah or days of Lot and see the pictures that come out. You know, days of Noah was a, was a time of debauchery, was a time of sexual immorality. The days of Lot, likewise, was a time of grave sinfulness. Uh, you know, if you know the story of Lot, you know, Lot was willing to sacrifice his own daughters so that the townspeople could could rape them all night. I mean, the days of Lot and the days of Noah were actually a time of just grave sinfulness, debauchery, sexual immorality. Some people consider it to be the worst time in human history. But you know what Jesus says as he's describing these these generations? He doesn't talk about any of those things, but he says, listen, you know what their faults were? They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying They were being given in marriage. And then he says this. In the days of Lot, you know what they were doing? They were eating. They were drinking. They were buying. They were selling. They were planting. They were building. What is Jesus describing? He's describing everyday life. Why does Jesus talk about everyday life in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot? Why? Because these people as they were going about their lives every day doing normal things, eating, drinking, planting, building, selling, giving in marriage, and being married, they had rejected the kingdom of God. They were going about their everyday life as though they were king. And so the warning that Jesus gives us here is this. Listen, you want to see the kingdom of God advance in your life? Will you take The rule of God, the reign of God. Will you get off your throne and will you allow Christ to sit there? Will you take his teachings of the kingdom and will you live them out? And so the question is do you really want to see the kingdom of God come into your home? Do you really want to see the kingdom of God come into our communities and the world? Then we have to let Jesus be king. Would you join me in prayer at this time? the, The kingdom of God is not a place that we go to when we die but it's something that is made readily available to us in the here and now Jesus promises to us abundant life he's come so that we can have abundant life and we experience the kingdom of God we see it come when we take the kingdom stories and we start to live them out in our lives if the kingdom of god is like a man who was forgiven a tremendous debt and so out of great joy and gratitude he forgives yeah when we do that when we do that in our homes when we do that in our communities when we do that in the world that's when the kingdom advances That's when the kingdom comes. When we're willing as believers to have discovered this great treasure and we're willing to sell everything we have in joy to get that, that's when the kingdom of God advances. See, the alternative is being unaware of that, being numb to that, and going about our lives eating, drinking, buying, selling, Building and planting. Friends, Christ in his coming has ushered in the kingdom of God. Will you now, in the areas that God has called you, will you live that out? Will you allow Christ to be the king of your household? Will you allow Christ to be king of your communities? And will you acknowledge him to be king of the world? Just take a few minutes to reflect and pray upon that. If there's any laying down you have to do of yourself, if there's any stubbornness you have to give up, if there's any hardness that the Lord needs to soften up, would you go to him? Let's spend a few minutes in prayer at this time. Father, we confess uh, this morning that we are sinful and that we cannot ascend to the hill of the Lord. We cannot on our own go to heaven, but you must come and you must bring it to us. And so, Father, this morning as we think upon the kingdom of God, its accessibility, its availability in the here and now. Father, would you awaken us and open our eyes to see it? Father, we confess that we go about our lives living life busy with just the mundaneness of life. Lord, we are so occupied with just eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, being married and being given in marriage that we don't see and we often forget about your kingdom. Father, would you give us eyes to see it? Though it might be so small like a mustard seed, give us eyes of faith to see it. Though it's hidden, a treasure, though it's hidden like a like a hidden treasure in a field, would you give us eyes to see? Though it might seem weak and frail and insignificant, Would you help us to see the power of the kingdom of God? Father, we ask, Lord, that in the new year, Lord, that you would really have us question and think, what is your will in our lives? And so, Father, we pray this morning, your kingdom come, your will be done in our homes, in our communities, and the world. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, in this time in worship, uh, it's after hearing God speak, we are now at this time where um, the Lord is sending, and uh, or, and um, we have a very special guest here with us. Uh, her name is Missionary Grace Chung. Uh,